Welcome to Talking Property. Today, I'm joined by Australia's best property analyst, Louis Christopher. Louis, thanks for joining us. Oh, nice to be with you, Peter, and thank you for the kind words. Thank you for joining us. Louis, I'm gonna jump straight to a slide today, and if I can bring that up here, the property market headwinds in 2022. If we look at the issues that the property markets had to deal with in the first six months of the year, they're quite remarkable, aren't they? Yes, they are, they're, they're quite significant. We kicked off the year with um, thousands of people a day um, contracting the coronavirus, the food crisis that spilled out of that, the energy crisis, the supply crisis, inflation's gone to record highs. We rolled into April and uh, Easter with a federal election campaign. Obviously, we've had the change of government there. The whole time through all of that, the retail banks were increasing fixed home loan rates. And then, as we know, in May and in June, the RBA have started moving the cash rate upwards. Yes. That's been very challenging issues for the property market to absorb in the first half of the year. Oh, no question about it, and especially with the threat of rising interest rates. Uh, that would probably be the number one factor. Now, if it wasn't for interest rates, I would suggest to you that rising inflation, generally you see rising housing prices in that type of environment. Uh, of course, when you have a situation where the central bank is becoming rather aggressive with their interest rates and they're flagging more interest rate rises, that's when it becomes quite the negative for the housing market. But no, no question, there's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, what I like to call X factors which have occurred. Uh, we certainly didn't forecast the, the Ukraine-Russia war. I don't think anyone did. Mm. And that's had a major impact in terms of inflationary pressures right around the globe, not just here in Australia. Have you seen a property market have to deal with so many issues in a six month period? And it's not just the property market, of course, it's society and the economy at large. But have you seen so many major issues come at the property market in such a short time frame as what we've seen this year? I think we would need to go back to the global financial crisis. I mean, it, it's probably not just the last six months. I, I think really from the outbreak of COVID, there's just been extreme uncertainty uh, in the economy uh, in the community, uh, you know, we've been dealing with effectively a plague, a once in a hundred year plague. Um, and uh, yeah, it's created significant uncertainty out there. Now, so far the housing market, well, up until the end of 2021, it was actually performing well on the back of massive government stimulus and cuts in interest rates. Now all that's being wound back. Yeah, we can, we can expect uh, some price falls and indeed we're already recording price falls in Sydney and Melbourne. So to be exact, what has the Sydney housing and apartment markets respectively done in the first six months of the year, Louis? Overall, if you strictly look at the indexes, we're unchanged. That's because we went up a bit to we, begin the we year? We went up a bit to begin with and then from about the end of March, prices started falling in Sydney, especially for freestanding houses. And those prices, I would argue, have, price falls have started to accelerate. I think with the most recent rate increase, we'll see further price falls right throughout the course of 2022. Now, you mentioned the split between houses and units. I would have to say on our numbers that units are doing a little bit better than houses right now in the downturn. Let's keep in mind, though, that in the upturn that we had between later 2020 to the end of 2021, houses really outperformed units. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, a clear beat for houses. When you say units, is that all apartments or is it a segment of the apartment market? Oh, I speak of overall units. So all, all units, uh, I'm predominantly established units. I'm not really talking about off the plan units here. 
in recent times, I've found myself bidding at auctions for a couple of clients on lifestyle apartments, uh, apartments that appeal to people that are downsizing. And both of those auctions were very willing, five, six bidders yes. in each of the auctions, which uh, was counter to what was happening in the broader market. But baby boomers downsizing into quality lifestyle apartments are really underpinning that market, aren't they? I think they are. And I think on top of that, uh, units are regarded in this environment as a safer bet. And the fact that they were nowhere near as overvalued as what freestanding houses were at the end of 2021 in the Sydney market. I mean, on our numbers at the end of 2021, Sydney housing prices, we had it at 30% overvalued. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get a 30% correction. Uh, the way we value houses is we look at our housing prices versus all income. And we look at it in terms of current prices, so taking into account inflation. Now, with inflation picking up, that gap will narrow. And so it doesn't mean we'll necessarily get a 30% fall. Uh, but yeah, the, the freestanding housing market was significantly overvalued on our numbers. Across Sydney, anecdotally, it feels like the premium end of the market is still holding well, maybe because they're somewhat immune from rising interest rates. Is that a fair comment or not? I think it's in pockets, Peter. I think that the very top end of the market should be holding well because that very top end of the market generally is, is not influenced by interest rates, but rather the state of the economy. Now, if we were to go into a recession, then you can certainly expect the top end of the market to have a correction. Uh, it, yes, I, I've noted that there's been some really interesting sales at the very top end, which would suggest strength in that part of the market. Let's also keep in mind that as a statistician and a data provider, there's, there's very few sales at the very top end of the market, of course. So it's, it's, it's basically very low sample data for us to really draw major conclusions on. Uh, stock levels through the year, Louis, how have they played a role in what's been happening out there? Overall listings haven't trended up as much as one would think. Uh, so vendors have been somewhat uh, cautious in listing their property in this slowdown slash downturn uh, for Sydney. And yeah, when you think of the psychology of vendors, generally speaking, they don't like selling in a falling market. They want to try and- Discretionary vendors go to the side. That's right, they, they still yeah. expect, there's many yeah. vendors out there now, and I've no doubt they still expect to get a 2021 sale price. They're not gonna get it, not in Sydney. And so we, many vendors would be aware of that. And for those who do not feel the need to sell, they generally would like to hold out and wait for the market to bounce back again. Well, when well, that happens though is another matter. Well, yeah, indeed. And if we can bring up this slide here with your auction numbers, Louis, what we see here going into uh, January 2022, yes. um, we seem to have started quite strongly, as you pointed out. Yes. And if we look at the auction clearance rate there with that red uh, line um, highlights, the auction clearance rate has been steadily falling all year, hasn't it? It has. And indeed, uh, we had 14 straight weeks of falling auction clearance rates on our index. And I've never seen that before in my career. So is that a function of there not being enough bidders at the auctions? Or is that a function of the vendors going to the sidelines and saying, no, I expected more for my property than, than, than what has been offered here today. I'm passing it in and withdrawing. Oh, fundamentally, it's both. Yes. There's, you know, the, the clearance rate represents the amount of agreement in the marketplace ultimately on, yeah. on price. But no doubt it can be influenced by less buyers in the marketplace and less buyers feeling that they have more control of the market and, and buyers being more cautious in terms of what they're willing to pay for a property. Uh, and then on the other hand, as mentioned before, 
sellers really you know, having a psychology that they should still be getting their 2021 sale price and the fact that the bid hasn't actually got to that level and, and the seller just refusing to sell. And that, that creates the fall in clearance rates. But ultimately, what we've seen over many years is that when you see falling clearance rates, housing prices do fall accordingly. Of these 60% of properties that have been failing to sell on auction day, mm. do we have any sense of how many of those properties go on to sell post-auction versus what percentage of those go to the sidelines and completely withdraw from the market? Oh, approximately about 70% uh, would be re-advertised for sale or rescheduled for another auction day. And 30% ultimately get withdrawn pretty quickly with the seller coming back to market, say, six months later. That's what I, I've, I've that's, generally That's seen. vendor psychology, to come back later, I'm going to wait, I'll that's, try again. The I'll, I'll try again and say six months' time. It. That, that's Is that right. advisable in your, in your view? Well, it all depends on the seller's personal financial circumstances. The reality may well be that for sellers that they've bought elsewhere and they do need to sell. Uh, it may well be the reality that sellers believe that there's going to be a pickup in the market at some point in time so they can hold out. But that's questionable. We don't know how long this downturn is actually going to last at this point in time. The RBA have flagged interest rate rises and more interest rate rises at 0.5% in yes. July or August, uh, heading in toward the end of the year. Yes. So a vendor who declines the best market price on offer um, in the middle of 2022, it's pretty brave to say I'm going to try again at the end of the year when we'll probably see a lot more stock on market due to traditional spring selling season and a backlog of unsold stock. I would have to say it would be greater than a 65% chance of prices being lower at the end of this year than where they are today. Yep. Yeah, the odds are on very high that the market will continue to fall as the RBA continues to lift interest rates. Louis, changing tack for a moment. Um, landlords have done it really tough during COVID. Uh, the rental market crashed quite dramatically in some suburbs. Coming into 2022, we both felt, as many others did, that the rental market, as far as landlords goes, was set for better days. What yes. have we seen? So over the past 12 months, Sydney rents overall for houses and units have lifted by 15%. That's asking rents. And is that, is that back to a pre-COVID high or are we still behind where we're, we were? We're above the pre-COVID high now in Sydney. And, and any sense where the market will go from there, the rental market? Oh, really good question. At the moment, all the leading indicators are suggesting that the market remains very tight and with such a low level of rental vacancy rates, we've got Sydney, if I recall, at about 1.3%, that will mean that rents will continue to go up from here and especially with the tailwind of inflation also pushing up rents. During the worst of COVID, I remember you quoting that some inner city apartment markets, um, suburbs had a vacancy rate of 13%, I recall. That's right. So we hit 13%. Where are they at now? Uh, for Sydney, they're below 3%. Uh, it's been a massive turnaround and I, I would recommend anyone to come onto our website and have a look at Sydney CBD rental vacancy rates. It's there for free to see for all. Uh, an incredible turnaround from where we were uh, in March and April 2020, when it appeared as everybody was leaving town. And is that people coming back from the regions or is it international students? Uh, is it international uh, migration? What, what is causing that? It started to fall before the borders were open. Ex-Sydney residents have tried the regions and have come back. I think too, the main cause behind it 
is that housing size has reduced. So when I say that, that's the number of people per dwelling has actually fallen during the COVID period, in my view. We're shortly about to find out because the ABS census is about to report from last year. But all the signs suggest that people look to live with fewer people. And I guess logically you could see why with, with fears of COVID, you may just wish to live with your partner and your kids only, not any extended family. Or as a younger person, you may well just wish to live on your own as opposed to sharing with uh, strangers. Uh, so. I think there's been a, a big drop in a number of occupiers per dwelling. And when you do see such drops, basically that equates to a large increase in underlying demand for real estate. During COVID, rents were low, prices were high, investors wanted nothing to do with the property market. Uh, in the first half of 2022, the price rises have settled down. Statistically, they're neutral, as you've already outlined today, mm. but rents have risen. Mm. Have investors taken a fresh look at the property market in the first half of this year? They have up until the first rate rise. And then I think investors from that point onwards have been more cautious. But I don't blame investors in looking at the housing market because rental yields have been increasing as a result of what you've just stated, rising rents falling prices means higher rental yields. Uh, and they, the rental yields are likely to go higher from here. Uh, there will be a time where it'll make a lot of sense for investors to jump into the market. We'll see when that point in time is, probably when we get close to the top of the interest rate rise cycle. And Louis, I want to finish on this question. The RBA, uh, as we all know, uh, ad nauseum stated that interest rates would not move until 2024. And then very quickly, they've come with a rate rise in the middle of an election campaign, yep. which they probably would have preferred not to have done. Yes. And then they've shocked the market with a 0.5% interest rate rise the first in 2020, 22 years. Has the RBA failed? Their track record to date hasn't been the best. Uh, and they've failed on a number of fronts, in my view, in terms of their forecasts. They've, for example, continually for the last few years now, basically overstated what wages would actually do, as an example. They'd clearly got it wrong uh, in terms of that, that statement they made about we're not lifting rates till 2024, and they repeatedly stated that when they were challenged on that. Point. They hammered that into the market psyche, They really, They really did, and indeed, with our forecasts, we had to assume that they were up to their word. Um, so our base case for this year was that there wasn't going to be a rate rise. Now, fortunately... And that's only put together back in November of 2021. That's right. And so that was, once again, based on the latest comments that the RBA made at the time, that, no, there was going to be a rate rise until 2024. Now, that said, to be fair to them, who was going to actually forecast a Russia-Ukraine war? Barely anyone could forecast that. And that's definitely aggravated the inflation situation globally. No question about that. Um, but to be also fair to many pundits out there, the truth was that inflation was accelerating before the war and it was increasingly looking like it wasn't transitory, as the RBA kept stating, that there was something more permanent about it. Uh, and the fact that it was actually picking up well before the, world, the Ukraine war. When you look at the causes of inflation, they are global. It's global inflation. It's not just Australia. Oh, it's global and domestic, yeah. uh, in my view. Uh, yes, there's definitely global causes there. For example, the, the price of raw commodities, uh, food, oil. These are global factors that are out of our control as a country. But I think, too, that 
with all the stimulus that we had surrounding COVID, we saw a surge in demand for goods and services in this country. And with unemployment basically in the threes, um, that, that creates a very buoyant economy. And, I, and what's essentially happened is that we've hit our capacity restraints in the economy. We've got an overheated economy. And at the same time, you've had the supply side actually reduce as a result of COVID, uh, both in terms of global services and domestic services as well. Uh, so, you know, I don't know about you, but I've known of many restaurants and cafes that haven't been able to make it through COVID, Peter. And that fundamentally represents a decrease in the supply of services in the economy relative to demand, where demands actually move forward. That creates inflation. People watching this today ultimately want to know, Louis, can the RBA crush inflation without crashing the property market? I'll give them a 20% chance that they'll be able to successfully um, create a soft landing in the economy. I think the challenge there for them is, is incredible. Um, I certainly wouldn't be able to do it uh, if I were in their shoes. Uh, and I don't think too many people could. I think the challenge for them is, is incredible. It's unlikely they're going to manage a soft landing. I would have to say the odds are pretty high that they'll become too aggressive with rate rises and will have a major economic slowdown. And at that point in time, once they see the data coming in, they'll need to cut pretty aggressively again. Great breakdown of the market today, Louis. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today on Talking Property. We look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you.